Hey, Angel. Hello. What did the meteor say when everyone was watching the meteor shower? Uh, I don't know. Said, can I have a little privacy here, please? Ah, uh, ha, ha, ha. Get it? Because it's a meteor shower. Ah, yes, I get I see it now, I see it now. Very funny, very funny indeed. Is that the joke for starting? That's the joke, yes. I, yep. I stand by it. Okay. Good on you, good on you. Okay, I'm Angel Lopez Sanchez. And I'm Kirsten Banks. And, and we, we are, are the Scientists. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16. I feel like I should know this. Oh, yes. Episode 16. 16. Uh, our sweet yes, 16. Indeed, indeed. It's our sweet 16. Isn't that nice? Yes. Yes. So welcome to episode 16 of The Scientists. And if you haven't guessed uh, by my amazing joke to start off our episode, we're going to be talking about meteor showers and comets in this episode. This really is a very interesting topic particularly for me because I have been an amateur astronomer the majority of my life and I think both meteor showers and comets are great for amateur astronomers to not only enjoy themselves observing the sky but also even providing scientific results about these uh, objects. In my uh, very short life I have not had a chance to see a comet before but one day I'm sure hopefully Hopefully. I really hope so. Hopefully you will get the chance of seeing a very nice comet. Hopefully all of us too, sooner than later. Hopefully, yes, sooner than later. But of course, to start off every single episode now, we have our space news. So Um, what's new in space at the moment? Well, we have a couple of things for today. Although we will try not to spend that much time describing this news because, well... We are very excited about comets and meteor showers. Yes, we are. And we need to get to our comets and meteor showers content. So, short space news update. I would like to share with everyone a very interesting research that has been also conducted here from Sydney, from Sydney Uni, about a very massive star, actually a wolf rayet star, that have been discovered by a group of astronomers from Sydney Uni and some few other astronomers around the world about this kind of very massive stars, the Wolf-Rajet stars. Oh, yes. The name of Wolf-Rajet, it is giving also the name of El Lobo Rayado. <laughs> that <laughs> comes from Wolf-Rajet, because these were the very massive stars that I was looking in my PhD. Ooh, in and a, they're very interesting stars to look at as well. Yeah, no, definitely they are, but they are very short-lived stars. So That's why are, they're interesting to look for. Uh-huh, mm. They are the most bold descendants of the very massive stars before they are exploding as a supernova. Mm-hmm. But these particular stars, they are peeling themselves. The atmosphere of a world radiate star is moving away from the center of a star, and that is doing a kind of a striptease. Oh, how scandalous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why when you see uh, an spectrum of a world star, it is not the standard spectrum of a star. It has also what we call emission lines Ooh. of helium, oxygen, nitrogen, carbon. Is the emission mostly red? Because then you could call it a red light district. No, 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 no. 
No, no, no striptease in the red light There are a lot of emission <laughs> in the blue, also because they are very, very, very hot. Some of these stars might reach the 100,000. Okay. Yeah. Now that, that's, that's real hot. Yeah, they are very, very hot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, in that way, that might be connected with the striptease, but... <laughs> let, let, let <laughs> We're going to move off that analogy yeah, now. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, the thing is that these stars, they explode as a supernova, and actually they are very big and strong explosions. And they have been connected with this kind of gamma ray burst that we see all around the universe, mm -hmm. particularly the long period gamma ray burst. And this is an example of another world-radiated star that will eventually explode as a supernova and might produce a lot of, of this radiation. I actually did see a little bit about this, and they were saying it will explode soon. Then someone commented saying, now how soon is soon? Because it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, it could be within the next million years soon. It's, that is the soon for us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully within our lifetime, because that would be really cool to see. Because we'll be able to see it with a naked eye, won't we? Yes, yes. It will 100%. For sure, for sure. The good thing is that it's enough far away from us, I think, to remember that around 8,000 oh. light years away. Plenty far, plenty far. So the extreme radiation will not burn us. That's good. I, I don't. I don't plan to be showered with radiation so, anytime soon. Yes, so that's that, is, nice. that is important. Well, then, if it's eight thousand light years away, maybe it's already exploded. Exactly. Yeah, because it might have happened, mm. but we have to wait till it's... the light get here to finally see it by ourselves. That's right. The 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 problems and the quarrels of astronomy. Yeah. Well, this star is, is actually two stars, Ooh. and they are doing a very interesting dance, one around the other, mm. and that is a good way of explaining the properties of this very massive star, and they have obtained a lot of data with different telescopes, and particularly also managed to do the fitting of how the movement of the wind it is inducing all the structure that uh, they are seeing w in, with the images. Mm. So very, very interesting stuff, really. And there are not many of these world-related stars known in our galaxy. I think we only know around 600, 600-ish of those stars. There you go. That's pretty cool. That's some pretty awesome space news, I'd say. Maybe yeah. a star will explode soon. Yeah, you Within the next million years, soon. Yeah. Or maybe it exploded, we don't know. Maybe. Yet. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> uh, in other space news, my short space news is that we're sending another probe to Mars and it's almost there. Yes, In yes. fact, at the point now when we are recording this episode, the InSight, which is the name of the rover, or it's actually not a rover, it's just going to stay there. Yeah, the name of the lander, let's it call lander, it. Yeah. Um, it's called InSight. And its countdown at this very second, when I say it right now, is 16 hours and 25 minutes and zero seconds until it lands. We are recording this just a few hours before it is happening. Mm -hmm. um, many people are very excited about that. I have plenty of people excited in Spain because they have participated very actively in this spacecraft, particularly Ooh. with the meteorological station. Oh, yes, of course. That's been something that they have been doing for a while already in, in some few other um, spacecraft to Mars. Mm. And I think we will talk and discuss a bit more about this spacecraft and also well, the lander and Mars yes. in a future episode. Now, hopefully saying he survived. Yes, hopefully, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, yes, but, and it's also currently 116,000 kilometers, kilometers yes. from Mars, yeah, uh, just over. So not, not too far away. No, no, not, no, no. Not no, too no, far no. away at all. You have to arrive in just a few hours. That's just a third the distance from us to the moon, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so there you go. 
Mm-hmm. Not long to go. No. But we'll talk more about that in another episode. But for now, it's time to get to the main act. Comets and meteor showers. So I think we should start with comets. Comet, comets. Comets yes. are pretty cool. Because comets can lead to meteor showers. We can start with comets and lead into meteor showers. No, I think, ho, it, ho, is, ho. I think it is a very good idea to do that. Mm. Yes. For comets, we were talking a bit uh, about these very interesting objects in the previous episode. Because yes, we indeed. were talking about uh, asteroids and... I mean, we got sidetracked a little bit into comets. <laughs> we were discussing the minor bodies of the solar system. And, this is true. And comets. Are, mm. And we were also talking a bit about the origins of the comets. Yes, in the proposed Oort cloud, which we have not seen. We have not seen it yet. But, but it, it, should, it should exist out there. Because we have seen many comets that are coming randomly from different positions in the space and the only way of explaining that and explaining their orbits and explaining how these objects are moving and coming from this different position in the sky, it is assuming that the Oort cloud is there. Exactly. But that is only for the long period comets. For the short period comets, we also mentioned that they are mainly coming from the Kuiper belt. Yes, that's right. I was about to say, like, where do they come from again? But no, we talked about it last time. Yes, we also mentioned that, so we are not going to say that much about the origin of these comets. Mm. But what is a comet? Well, a comet is, well, at least the analogy that I like to use is like a dirty snowball. Oh. Yes, because it's very, it's an icy object, comes out from the very distant parts of our solar system, which mostly ices form out in that area. And the reason why we see these long, beautiful tails is when they're coming towards the sun, they're being melted by the heat of the sun. And you actually get two tails from a comet. Very good point. Yes. yes. Two tails. The coma? No. Nope. The coma it is a kind of the atmosphere of the comet surrounding right. the comet. Right. But the, the two tails mm-hmm. are the dust Tail, yes, the dust tail. And the iron tail. Oh, that's right. I knew it was cool. The so it, iron tail. Yeah, and that is a very interesting thing about comets. I like to say that uh, you can try to make your very own comet. You just get a stone and put a bit of ice and a bit of dust of sand, let's say, sand from the beach. <laughs> um, you put a bit of CO2... <laughs> <laughs> Find some coal lying yeah, around, guys. Something that what we're using for the cooling system, something like that, this kind of gas there. Mm. And you just launch it to the solar system and there yeah, you have it, a comet. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> DIY comets. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> because mainly that is what they are, but it will you true. explain. And what is happening is when they are coming nearby to the sun, all this material that it was frozen, it is released because of the action of the heat of the sun. And I like to note that the changing of the states, it is from solid to gas. Oh, I know what that's called. What is it called? I'm trying to remember back from when I was in year Sub- nine or something. Subli- sublimation. Sublimation. That's, yes. Sublimation. That is the specific scientific term uh, to say this, to say from something that is coming from solid, they state solid, till gas. Yes. That is what is happening to the gas in the comets. So, okay, I'm currently teaching some year nine kids some chemistry, right? I know. Totally off brand for me, but that's just what I'm happening doing right now. We're teaching them. We were teaching them how uh, some nuclear chemistry. So atoms spitting out a beta particle or spitting out an alpha particle and decaying into another atom. In one of the questions in our last class, 
it was like, what changes would you see when, so when carbon turns into nitrogen? And we talked about how carbon's usually found in solid form in terms of coal, mm-hmm. turning into nitrogen gas. But that wouldn't be sublimation, would it? Because no, it's not changing state. That's just because it is not changing of state. Yeah, it's just a complete is, change of element. Yeah, it but is, just it is a complete change of the element. But it just is, popped in my head. Yeah, it, it, an interesting kind, of, not analogy, but anyway, a comment. Let's say yeah. a <laughs> comment about comets. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Good. The interesting thing about the two tails of the comets it is that they don't have to be completely in the same direction. Yes. Yes, indeed. Because the dust released by the comets, and that is the kind of more orange, yellowish tail, the, mm. the diffuse tail, that mm. is going to follow the orbit of the comet. I was about to say, I was going to take a guess, it follows the orbit of the comet. Because but the dust is following the orbit of the comet. That's right. But the ion tail is formed from the natural gas initially present in the coma yeah, of, the, uh, the, mm-hmm. of the atmosphere of the comet, is ionized, hence iron, it's ionized by the solar radiation, so it is in the opposite direction of the sun. Exactly, yes. So it is always pointing to the opposite way from the sun. Mm. So there are comets... Or in the direction of the solar wind. In the direction of the solar wind, but uh, on the... Out, yeah, outward yeah, from the sun. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But if you draw a line from the sun to the comet, and you say that it is also the direction, it is not going... Uh, to the sun, it is going on the other way around. So it's yep. going opposite to the sun because the, the solar wind is pushing that material and exciting that material. And that is why we see it with usually bluish colors. Indeed. Can I just say as well, I love physicists. We yeah. call atoms that are ionized or have more energy in them are literally called excited. They're excited. Yeah, they're excited. Yeah. It's, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so it, good. It is a very cool term. I have always loved it. Yeah. <laughs> So there are some few examples of comets that have actually shown even the tails in complete, almost complete opposite directions. What? And there is an example that I show you here. That is one of my favorite comets. Comets Lulin in 2009. Huh. And you see the dust coming in this direction and the ion tail going completely the other way wow, around. Wow, that's cool. So I guess it's just going, it's just traveling away from the sun Yeah, then. because it was traveling away from the sun. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> But for me, the most spectacular comet, well, there have been a couple of them, <laughs> but I have a kind of a special relationship with this comet, with the Hale-Bob comet. The Hale-Bob? The Hale-Bob, yeah. You were not even born. <laughs> Where were you in 1997? I was being born, actually. Oh, yes. I well. was. Be- <laughs> <laughs> that was the year of my birth. <laughs> Was it? Yes. 1997. 1997. Wait, 1997, you said? 1997. Yes, that's the year I was born. Okay, well, happy birthday. Thank you. Well, that was spectacular. I remember that was so nice to see that in the sky with perfectly the two tails. And you could see the two tails very nicely in the sky. See, here this is another image that uh, I took from some place. The comparison with the very famous North America nebula, which is a very very wide part of the Cygnus constellation, and the Cygnus it is also around here, and you see that. And I show you before, before we were recording, where are they, some of my drawings, because in that period I had a camera, it was not a digital camera, it was mm. with film, and it was very difficult to get images of the universe, of the sky. And in those times, 
that I was 1997, I was 21. Well, I'm still 20. I was going to be 21 in September. That was in April or March. I remember drawing almost day by day the comet that it was moving from one position to the other. Ooh. And also getting some interesting drawings using binoculars because it was so big. We needed the binoculars. Mm. Crossing uh, the constellation of Cassiopeia and going into Perseus, very close to the Andromeda galaxy and... But if you look through the telescope, you actually see the different layers of the different material, um, the coma and the jets coming from the very center of the comet, just releasing the material. Very, very majestic. That is so cool. Yeah, it's so good. I, I really love this comet. It was really spectacular. That was 1997. In 1996, the year before, when we were already waiting to see the hale Bob. Because mm. the hail bob was discovered in 1995. Right. And I remember seeing that just a little dot in Sagittarius in some moment around there because it was starting to be even visible with telescope very early. And we were waiting for hail bob. Suddenly, the Yakutake comet was discovered. Yakutake. Yakutake. That's, yeah. a, that's a cool name. It is a very cool name by a um, Japanese uh, amateur astronomer. And... If I said that the, for me the most beautiful comet that I have seen was the um, hail bob, the most impressive comet that I have seen was Yakutake. Ooh. Because it was only a big tail because of the orientation. We could only see the dust tail, but the ion was a bit difficult to see. Mm. But the dust tail was crossing the sky in two. So if the comet, the head was around there and I'm just trying to do that, I don't know how I'm going to do this in the radio because mm -hmm. I'm pointing to one direction in the, in the <laughs> sky and then I move, I don't know how many, but something like there was the detail. Wow. So it was something like that. And I will say how much, uh, I think to remember it, around 100 full moons in the sky, something like that. <sighs> or even more than that because it was 90 degrees, more than 90 degrees in its maximum. So that would be 180, 180 moons. Wow. Yeah. In a dark place. Cutting the sky in two wow. was quite amazing. I'm so jealous. Yeah. That's so cool. But it was because it, it was very close to the Earth. Well, It was only at 15 million kilometers from Earth. That is around 40 times the distance between the Earth and the Moon. That is so cool. And the other thing was it was so bright that the total magnitude of that was around zero. What? Yes. Zero? Zero. Stop it. Yeah. No. So only five stars would have been brighter than this? <laughs> five or three, depending this, how you count. Is it coming back soon? No. Aww. Because it has a very elongated orbit. Why? <laughs> and I think it has a period of something like uh, 70,000 uh, 70, years or something like that, 100,000 years. So you will not see it again. But it again, I insist, it was also because it was very close to the Earth. So it was quite a sight. You just crushed my dreams. Sorry for that, but well... 70,000 years? Yeah, we we'll <sighs> have to wait for the next one. Uh, yeah, we just have to wait. It's okay. I'm sticking out for Haley's Comet to come back. Hmm, let's hope if it is a bit better than the last time, because the last time it was the, the position of the Earth with respect to the orbit of the Halley's Comet, mm. was not very good. So it was relatively far away ah, from okay. the perihelion, from the maximum. So you could see it. I, yeah. I didn't see it. Mm. In 1985, I was still nine. 
was starting to be very interesting into astronomy, but not reading books, but not looking at the sky that much, yeah. was, which was a pity. I hope I will see it in the future. Hopefully, hopefully. But speaking of comets and the... No? Not yet. Magnot. Do you want to say something about the Magnot comet? What's the Magnot comet? The, the, the big comet in 2007. That was a big comet in 2007? What? Yeah. How did I miss this? Come on. Uh. The Magnot Comet. I have to Google a bit more information about that, but while you do that, I will say that it was in the moment, actually, I was starting to work in Australia, and I have the chance to see it with my naked eye some few times. It was very spectacular, very, very, very spectacular from the Southern Hemisphere. This was discovered by my colleague Robert McNaugh from Sidon Spring Observatory, using one of the telescopes there, trying to find asteroids and comets. And it was really spectacular. You could see it even with the lights of Sydney. What? You got that very nice image. Hmm. All the Sydney Harbour and the comet. Whoa. I actually prefer this very nice image from the discoverer of the comet, Robert McNaugh, taken also from Siding Spring Observatory, from our observatory in New South Wales, in Australia. And it is showing very nicely all the different tails. And it was just a 30-second exposure or something like that. It was just a very short exposure showing, wow, this magnificent comet in January 2007. That is so cool. And it was so big in the sky, so large. There was a moment that if you really want to see the full Magnus comet, you needed to go to the Northern Hemisphere, take a photo, go to the Southern Hemisphere, take another photo, and merge them together. Wow. That is why I didn't want to skip mentioning the Magnot Comet, because this has been the brightest and the largest and the most impressive comet that we have had in centuries, perhaps. Yakutake was really great. Halbord was a beautiful thing to see, but Magnot Comet was really full on. But apparently Magnot for me. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I, I'm making you jealous. <laughs> I'm so mad right now. Uh, I was alive. How old was I in 2007? You're still very young. I was your age when I was, I was observing Hyakutake and Hale Bob. I was 10. I was definitely old enough to know. <laughs> yeah, you... Why? Why me? Well, Why don't, me? don't be sad. There will be more comments coming soon. Will this one come back? Uh, nope, no, nope. Magnotite is also... Six no wait, hold on. No, okay, no, no 92,000 no. years. No. No? No. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You, you will not see it. Yes, yes. I mean, no, I will not see it because the orbit is 92,000 years. Which is the thing about the comets. Mm. Usually, the most impressive comets are those that are appearing from the first time. Yes, and, and they're is... the ones that they have a really big orbit and they come in really close and I apparently miss all of them. <laughs> because they're still very young, so don't complain about that. This is true. So all these comets, usually with the very long orbits, as we say, they were coming from the inner parts of the Oort clouds. Mm -hmm. And perhaps it is one of the very first times that this comet is coming into the sun. And that is why also they have still a lot of ice, a lot of cast, and they are so bright because all that is just... It hasn't been, been melted yet. Exactly. Yep. It's starting to be released for the very first time, or the very, one of the very first times. Mm. Now, we've talked a lot about 
comets and the dust tails and the ion tails. But as we mentioned, we don't have meteor showers without comets. In most cases. In in most cases. Yes. Because obviously if there's lots of debris coming off these things, whether whether they be excited particles or bits of dust, they end up just hanging around space. Exactly. And since they're coming in quite close through the orbit of the Earth, there is always this debris field that the Earth moves through, which then those bits of debris go through our atmosphere and turn into shooting stars. Yay. Or meteor showers. Meteor showers and shooting stars. Yes. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Have you seen a meteor shower before? Many. Many? Many, many. I'm not sure if telling you this little history, because not only because I'm starting to sound again, "Ah, the old guy just talking about (laughs) the old history, but I have to mention two things here. Mm. One, that I have a very deep memory about all my summers during a week, 10 days, counting meteors, Mm. shooting stars from the Perseids. Ooh, that's a good one too. that is in the middle of August, around the 12th of August. And I have done that, not, not now, but in the past with, you know, more than 10 years in a row for sure. But the most impressive, most beautiful meteor shower that I have seen was the Leonids in mm. 1999 that I was also counting on the meteors that I mm. was seeing but this time uh, the predictions were that few thousands per hour perhaps thousand per thousand hour thousand per hour wow in the peak so I was prepared and in a step of writing in a notebook mm-hmm. I was recording myself saying hey meteor here magnitude 3 magnitude uh, ah. meteor here come and there is a moment in that recording that I say, I can't stop. I, I'm seeing just three, four, five coming at the same time from different places. And the peak was a bit higher than 5,000 meter per hour. That's incredible. It was amazing. I, I also have to say that I was not in the top of the mountain, but almost there mm. in the snowy mountains in at the south of Spain, in Sierra Nevada, it is called the, the place, very close to Granada, where I was still doing my, my degree in physics. Mm. At 3 a.m. in the middle of November, yep. cold, mm-hmm. very cold. And when I got home that day, very excited, very happy because I have seen one of the wow, most fantastic views that I have had of the sky, never, ever. I couldn't feel my feet. Oh. <laughs> and I have to put them on very hot water. And since that moment, every time that I was starting to be cold, mm. it started always. It is starting always from my feet. Wow. <laughs> so I think they were affected yeah. by this thing. <laughs> but it was completely worthy. Oh, the lengths we go to just to look up at the sky for very, very good reasons. Because these things, and they happen every single year. Mm-hmm. That is the they're, good thing. They annual. Periodic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know usually you know, the majority of the cases uh, from the comets mm-hmm. that they are coming. At the end of the day, what we are seeing is just the dust yes. that have been released by these comets. And it is coming from a point in the sky that we call the radiant. Yes. And if that is the constellation of Leo, there will be Leonids, for yes. example. Yes, indeed. And indeed, it's the same effect like when you are walking in the rain or in the snow and you see coming in different directions 
the the drops of water of the the snow mm. because a perspective effect. So that is why it seems that they are coming from that direction in, yes. in the sky. So you usually don't have to look to that constellation. Not if, always. Like they, they appear all over the sky, but they generally radiate. If you uh, follow the path back. Exactly. It would but if you look there. to that constellation, you will not see the very long meteors. No. Because to see very long meteors, you have to look away from the radiant, perhaps even 90 degrees away from there. So. There you go. And, and then you will get a better view of how these meteors are coming. Well, there is. Uh, I have a few stories about meteor showers as well. Ah, please, go. There's what I've been told is the king of all meteor showers, although I think the one that you saw is definitely a higher level than this one. But the king of annual meteor showers is said to be the Geminids meteor shower. Right now, at the moment, yes. Yes, right now. Right now it is. Uh, with about 120 to 160 meteors per hour, but that's uh, just I still, a... I still think it is a bit optimistic. Mm. I will say that getting, yeah, 50, 60 should be, um, should be okay in the maximum, in the peak. Oh, yes, indeed. Now, this particular meteor shower, I have tried and tried and tried to watch when I was younger in, like, high school. And try and try and try I did, but it just never happened. To be fair... I did live in Sydney, and I think I was looking in the wrong direction as well. But the one problem that I always had was that it always fell on a full moon. Okay, that is not good. No. That is not good. Still see, you still can see some few meteors with full moon, but no, not ideal for observing this. Mm. So the best way of usually to just go away from the lights of the city, from the light pollution, try, don't have any kind of moon or very tiny moon, mm. if any, in the sky, and just relax. Just lay in the ground. So always don't forget your winter clothes, yes. even, even in summer. Yes, because <laughs> it can still get cold at nighttime. It still can get cold. Yep. And just enjoy it. Mm. Just enjoy it. And my big tip is always take the hot chocolate and mini marshmallows. You have to have the mini marshmallows. And the coffee. And the coffee. The coffee. Yeah. The coffee is really an important thing here. Not, don't forget about marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta stay awake somehow. <laughs> yes. Yes, but with the Geminids, it's a very peculiar meteor shower. So we're saying that majority of meteor showers are caused from the debris field of comets, but this one is actually caused by the object 3200 Phaethon, mm-hmm. which is a Palladian okay. asteroid or a, with a rock comet orbit. So it is an interesting object that seems to be an asteroid, but might have been a comet. Because, and that is a very interesting point that you're raising at the moment. Because there are comets that at the end of their lives, when they just completely run out of ice mm. and gas, they became... It is rocks. And rocks and asteroids, and they're classified as asteroids. Oh, there you go. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. So but it makes can, sense. There, there are many old comets that now they're classified like an as asteroids oh. and have been interesting because sometimes we have seen an asteroid and that asteroid... What? Wait, wait a moment. That asteroid is having a coma. Why is it having a coma? And then they have done a bit of extra research and they have realized, okay, because mm, it was a comet in ah, the past. There you and, go. And now it is an asteroid. That's pretty cool. And that is continuously happening, changing this kind of, you know. It is not a closed box. So mm. you say that is a comet, that is an asteroid. It is a kind of a continuum. Sometimes it is just not that easy to mm. distinguish between one thing or the other. We like the 
categories and they are the big categories and we can define them very well. Yeah. But we are always going to find this kind of interesting objects that are in the middle. Yes, there's always there's always a grey area. Hmm. Always a grey area. If you want to watch the Geminids Meteor Shower, it peaks over the 14th and 15th of December. Uh, so it is still a little while away. We will remind you in our WhatsApp section when it comes to the time to remind you. So probably next episode. Probably next episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'll be out there having a, a late night watching the stars. I hope to, to do it this, this time. And I really hope it'll be clear. Yeah, hopefully to be clear and also just go away from Sydney. Yes, just yep, for sure. There. Sometimes also we have to wait for the comet to come back to the inner part of the solar system. To refill the debris field. Exactly. <laughs> and that is, for example, what is happening with the Leonids. Because yes. the Temple Tantal, which is the comet responsible of the Leonids meteor shower in the middle of November. Wait, did you say Temper Tantrum? Temple Tantal. I like Temper Tantrum better. And, mm, That's a cool name for a comet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <but laughs> Temple Tantal, sorry. <clears throat> so that comet, um, the, its period it is around 33 years. Oh, okay. So every 33 years is coming, perhaps the next time you're lucky and you can see it. And it is refilling the, yes. the orbit with new material and then... Every 33 years or so, we are having a peak mm. in meteors of, from this meteor shower. So the last one was in 1999, which would expect the following one to be in 2032. Hey, 30th birthday. Come on, Leonids. Give me a good 30th birthday present. <laughs> no, it was also very strong in, in 1966, it seems, and okay. in the past, and, and have been historic records of the Leonids with a lot of meteors in a night and during the 19th century or so, even very interesting drawings that have been there. Excellent. Oh, well, I look forward to that. But coming back to the issue that sometimes we classify an object, an asteroid, and it is a comet or vice versa, mm. we have a very interesting recent case about it. And I would like to mention it at least Ooh. briefly, because okay. I was also, I forgot, actually, to, <laughs> to tell this during the last episode. It was this very curious kind of comet that was discovered last uh, year by the Pan-Star Telescope in, uh, in Hawaii. Oh, I think I know what it is. And it was coming in a very interesting orbit. Indeed. In the orbit that it seemed that it was not coming from our solar system. Mm, spooky. So that was first classified like a comet. But then they were not able to see that it has a coma, this kind of the atmosphere involving the comet. But because of the orbit, it seemed a comet. So it was reclassified as an asteroid. Mm. But later, with more observations, they did all the calculations and confirmed that the orbit was not compatible with an object coming from the Oort cloud. Not an object coming from our solar system. It's an alien visitor. It would have been nice. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but in some way it was, because it was the very first interstellar asteroid mm. to be discovered. Which is pretty exciting. It was very exciting. And it's a first. It's a first. And that is classified. One eye from interstellar. Mm -hmm. 2017. Ooh. The theme was that these objects have just passed nearby the sun and it is gone. It is leaving the solar system. Yep. It has a very interesting name, which is Oumuamua. Yes, Oumuamua. 
Mm-hmm. Which is a really cool name. Like, I always stumble on it, though. I have to think about it first for a second. I'm like, uh, uh, Oumuamua. Oumuamua. And, and if you write it, you have to start with the apostrophe. Yes. Because it is an important thing coming from Hawaiian language. Mm. That means the traveler who is coming in from far away. Right. So that is Oumuamua. And it has been very interesting because the, all the information that we got, it is basically from the photometry. I mean, we only can see a dot of light mm. coming and registering the position in the sky. Then we get the orbit and we know that it coming from some place in Lyra constellation, mm. even nearby Vega. Some people have said, oh, it is someone that has sent that from Vega, but well, mm. Vega was not there in that no. duration. <laughs> Many hundred thousand years ago. Yep. <laughs> or more, no. No, no, no. Nice try. <laughs> but, but no. But it has a very interesting peculiarity, which was that the, the brightness was changing a lot ah. as uh, the object was rotating. Okay. So it kind of, in some few hours, changing rapidly with a peak, a very pronounced peak. And the best way to explain that, it is that is shaped is like a cigar. Oh, yes, I did hear about this. It's a cigar-shaped asteroid comet thing. Oumuamua. Oumuamua. Some people were very excited about that because they have read this very famous novel by Arthur C. Clarke, Rendezvous with Rama. Have you read that book? No, I have not. No, but you have to. Okay. It's one of the best science uh, fiction books that I have been written about this kind of object that is coming into the solar system, a very ah. elongated cylinder-shaped object that it is actually an extraterrestrial object, yeah. I mean, made by other beings. Yeah. And huh. things are happening. So it's, it's very interesting, that book. I hope that eventually they will do a good movie, but a good movie, not a bad movie. <laughs> Must be good. There is a lot of physics also within that book, and that is also why people were say, suggesting to change the name to Rama. Oh, but I see. Never, never happened. Yeah. Um, it has been recently also in the news because when it was coming close to the sun, it slightly changed the trajectory. Yes, it sped up a little bit, didn't it? A little bit. Yes. But that was also expecting, and it can be explained by how these things works. Mm-hmm. So it's not anything special. But of course, there was someone who said, no, probably because it is an alien, a yes. UFO. I actually uh, read the paper about this, and they mentioned, the people who wrote the paper mentioned alien once in the conclusion. And then everybody goes crazy. No, oh, it's aliens. It has to be aliens. It's on this paper. It must be aliens. Everywhere. And they no. were, because they were using a very kind of, they were suggesting kind of um, solar... Solar sail. Solar sails. Yeah. And, but the solar sails has to be kind of, I don't know, I remember, but one millimeter thick, or I don't remember. Yeah. It was something like very stupid, very difficult to achieve. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it has been a very uh, interesting case and wrapping up all this talk about asteroids and comets and objects, small objects of the solar system. Mm. I think we've covered almost everything now, mm. the smaller objects of the solar system, maybe the two episodes. Yeah. I also wanted to talk a bit more about how comets are and the comets that are visited by spacecrafts and just mention a bit, you know, <laughs> the 67P Yuri Mokarasimenko or Yuri, that was the Rosetta spacecraft observing it oh, and yes. the Philae lander. But yeah, well, enough. And, and that's probably the best way it is not 
talking, it is just enjoying the images of what a comet is and all this huge amount of material that have been released by the European Space Agency with this comet. Mm. Well, that should bring us to what's up. What's up? What is up? What, what's up? What's 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 up? We wanted to talk about a comet to be seen. Yes, but unfortunately my luck is getting in the way and we're not seeing any comets, any good comets right now. I was excited this morning because I was checking the comet, a comet that was recently discovered by amateur astronomers. C-2019 B1 Marshall's Fujikawa Iwamoto. Um, but right now it is very close to the sun. We cannot see it. Ah. Two weeks ago we have been... An, Kind of, you can try, but it's going to be difficult. Mm. Although it reached a magnitude of around eight, which is even visible with binoculars, Mm. and the tail was reaching almost two degrees in the sky. Ooh, that's pretty big. So it was starting to be big. So you actually needed more than a telescope to to see the tail. Yeah, complete tail. Yeah. Usually that is not the case for comets. You need to use a telescope. So as we don't have any bright comet that we can invite you to see at the moment, we have had the idea of inviting you to observe a star. Because why not? Stars are great. But we've got a very interesting star, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a very interesting star that is called Mira. Mira. Mira the Wonderful. I have to say, I'm not sure if in English it is Myra. Myra, okay, maybe. Because it is with an I. I have always said Mira, and that is the name, the original name coming from uh, Arabic or something like that. But right. perhaps in English it is Mira. I don't know. The wonderful. The wonderful. The f- wonderful star in the constellation of Cetus, the whale. And that is a very interesting star because it is a variable star. How variable, though? It is quite intense. Ooh. So when... It is in its minimum. Mm-hmm. It reaches around 9 and 10th magnitude. Okay, so visible with a big telescope. Bit, uh, big telescope with binoculars, difficult. Mm. Very difficult. Yeah, very so, difficult to but, find. But, Don't try it. <laughs> but with telescopes, it should be okay. Yep. But in its maximum, sometimes it gets to magnitude 2. Whoa. So That is a big change. It is a big change. We can say that in a different way. In its maximum, you can see it very easily with your naked eye, even yeah. from the cities, unless you are in a very light polluted area. Yeah. But in its minimum, you will not even see that star with binoculars. No. Wow, that is a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah. So it needs around 333 days to complete the period. And it is interesting because it was one of these variables that have been noticed from very old times mm. that have been there. It is actually a white dwarf star that we can see, and the main star, it is a red AGB, asymptotic giant branch star. Right. Red star. Yep. Red giant star. Yeah. And the pulsation that this star is doing, it is responsible of the variation in brightness oh. that we see in the star. Okay. So, it's a uh, nice one to look at the blinking star. Yeah, and, and we are mentioning that at the moment because it is in its maximum. Ah, that's 
That's it. So it's currently at around magnitude two. It is around magnitude two. Probably will be a bit fainter, two and a half or something like that. Still visible to the naked eye. Because the the, the peaks and the peak and the minimum they are both not always the same because of the peculiarities of the system. So of it's course. just oscillating, and it sometimes it reaches a two, sometimes it only reaches around the three, mm. but still two three is still good. Yep. And the same way when it goes to the minimum, sometimes it is only nine, sometimes getting the tenth magnitude so it is a, a good object just to try to see it right now in this springtime in the southern hemisphere and still autumn time in the northern hemisphere there you go good. so we have comets meteor showers and blinking stars and no feedback and no feedback no we are very sad about the feedback yeah we were expecting something else Yes, Guys, so please. Please, please, always, always, no matter when it is, whether we're recording, whether we're not, always send us questions and we will answer them on this podcast. Uh, we will be very happy to do that, as we have been doing in the past. Yes. Remember, you can always find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Scientists, and we also have an email option to thescientists at gmail.com. But for now, we'll see you next time. Okay, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.